This episode today is brought to you by Grinding Coffee Co. Grinding Coffee, a black LGBTQ-owned coffee business that donates a portion of every sale to charity. Coffee is imported from around the world, and they pride themselves on great customer service for a small team. Use promo code PITLANEPARLAY for 13% off your order. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum, sitting alongside a Frenchie. It's Formula One time. We are going to first preview Jetta, which will take all of like four minutes because I have to admit, this is probably the least excited I am for any race this year because, well, 79% of the lap will be full throttle. Is it 79%? Yeah, 79%, I think, which is only second to Monza at 84%. But unlike Monza, there's no cool chicanes or spots to pass. It's just one giant kind of fast looping turn the entire way. So, Frenchie, are you at all remotely excited for this weekend? Uh, I mean, I'm always excited because there's racing. And I'm excited because it's a new track. So there is a little bit of mystique, I guess, a little bit of interest yeah um but i i'm i share your concerns about going into this race and then seeing no action um and qualifying maybe being the most interesting part of the weekend but you know um there's the championship fight is still going on so i think there's excitement regardless of kind of the venue okay that's fair you've got a little bit more of a positive take than me which i mean Judging by the day I've had, I'm I'm not really all that surprised. But let's see here. Before we do predictions, since we forgot to do predictions for the last race, let's see here. Practice one Friday morning, 8.30, qualifying Sunday noon Eastern. The race is Sunday at 12.30 Eastern. So another, the, the final non-9 a.m. race of the year, which uh, I don't love especially because it's right before football time. And listen, we have some fo- we have some football teams to watch lose this weekend. So uh, that's that's all I got there. I'm, I think both of us watch losing football teams pretty regularly. Yes, I'm proud of it. I know I'm not wearing my Eagle sweatshirt. I was it adds character yesterday. to watch a losing team, guys. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll save we'll save everybody from a football discussion with that being said Frenchie I don't think we have too much to to go off of other than this unlike Qatar two weekends ago shouldn't be as harsh on the tires but will still be very harsh there's a, a pretty cool thread going around about tire technology and how much of a lateral strain a track like this can put on the tires even though it's a night race it's still going to be hot and humid so that will be kind of the the big thing to watch, and also the fact that there is no runoff. It's all it's a it's a lot of safer barrier, and you know which NASCAR created, obviously, and and uh, I say that jokingly, and yeah, that's that's all I got. So who is 
doing well this weekend? Um, let's go with. It's hard to think about who's going to do well because it's a new track. Yeah. So we really have nothing to go on. It's a total guess. Yeah, I'm going to say Vettel has a good weekend. Okay. I will go with Gasly because uh, he's my pick when I can't make up my mind on anything. Okay, who's having a bad weekend? I think that Perez is going to have a bad weekend. I feel like he does well at tracks that he's been to before, but I mean, maybe I'm just kind of making this up, but I I feel like at new tracks, he's not necessarily on pace immediately. Yeah, I am going to go with Verstappen. I think the pressure is firmly on his shoulders and at a track where there's what looks like to be zero room for error. If, if he has to play any defense like he did in Brazil a few weekends ago, he's going to be in big trouble. So I'm going with Max. I think he might crack under pressure heading into the finale. That would be pretty dramatic. So I'm interested to see if you're right. Okay, let's see here. We're going to do Dark Horse Top 10. Dark Horse Top 10. Um, I don't know. Let's say Russell gets in the top 10 at some point somehow. Why not? He needs to finish right. out for uh, the just recently passed Frank Williams, which we'll touch on in a second. Yeah, I'll go with Kimmy. I have n- no bearing other than because I want to. So on that note, yeah, we are saying our condolences to the Williams family. Frank Williams passed away on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. And I honestly don't know a ton about him. I know Frenchie does. And there's a Williams documentary on Netflix that no, I just checked. It's not on Netflix anymore. I saw that it's on Amazon Prime, but you have to pay to rent it. I still highly recommend watching it because that documentary was really good. It's just called Williams and it's from 2017. Okay. All right. Good to know. And I know you re- read the Willie, uh, was it his biography or a book about Yeah, him? I actually have it right next to me here. It's, I think I talked about it in Matt and I's YouTube video. Um, it's by Morris Hamilton, and it's a pretty long read um, by my standards. Actually, it's just thick. There's just, it's only a little over 300 pages. Um, but it's a really good read into kind of insight into the man that is Frank Williams. Yeah. Um, obviously we've seen some great tributes about him and I think nothing we're going to say is going to top what people who actually knew him and drove for him could, you know, could have said about him. But I just want to say at least that he really kind of defined that underdog spirit for me. I don't think there's ever going to be someone like him that comes into F1 again and kind of builds his own team just by sheer force of will. And I also think that Maybe I have a uh, kind of a soft spot for him because when I first got into Formula One in the early 2000s, I was really cheering against Michael Schumacher and his closest rival was generally Juan Montoya from in the Williams or Kimi Raikkonen. So I was just kind of into those Williams BMWs and it really got me interested in Formula One watching them go at it. But I wanted to ask you real quick if you had a favorite Williams moment from the history of Formula One, something you remember about the team or... A driver yeah. that you thought was cool. Uh, I'm kind of going on a on a whim here, but the 
Montoya Schumacher battle was that at Imola when when they kind of forced each other wide there that oh they've done that multiple times but I I remember they did it at Brazil too yeah it was one of those that like really sticks out in my mind as watching on on YouTube at some point this year yeah I think uh one of my favorite Williams moments is probably just seeing him um and i obviously wasn't around watching formula one but just watching the replay at the time when he returned back to the track after his injuries um just kind of showing how strong the guy was and that he really i mean the race team was his everything and he loved racing uh i don't think you really get you can top somebody for his passion about racing um for how long he was involved so definitely our condolences to the williams team and his family and uh He's not somebody that Formula One's going to forget. That team will carry his name, I hope, for a long time to come. I concur. And before we get to the news, Frenchie, we have to do the trivia. So let's see here. Okay, this is this might be really hard, but let's let's see if you can get it. Who finished third in the 1999 European Grand Prix? Was the European Grand Prix was at Jerez or at Nurburgring? In 99. I am. It was at Nürburgring. Okay. I'm going to have to think about this for a second. I mean, in 99, who's winning is probably. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing that. Oh, 99. Oh. 99 Nürburgring. That was when Stewart won with Johnny Herbert. So then. Finished third is Rubens Barrichello because he did the he got the double podium for Stewart. Son of a bitch. All right, well, let's get on to the news because I have yet. <laughs> you need to go back further. I think that that was a good one though. I had to think about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm proud that I made you think, but I'd be prouder if I could finally. All right, all right. You stumped me with those Z drivers one of the past. Yeah, weeks. yeah, yeah. I think that was two weeks ago, but or. Yeah, I don't even remember when it was. All right, so French is going to run the news here for whatever, however long it takes. So let's rock and roll. All right, so I've got just a couple items uh, that I want to talk about. Um, The first one is that Felipe Massa was recently quoted in saying that he believes that Mick Schumacher is burdened by his last name. Uh, And he said that as much as it is a blessing right um to get sponsors and get a lot of support he thinks that people expect things that mick will never be able to fulfill and the pressure is then extremely high um and he goes on to say that the haas is the worst car in formula one not gonna argue with him there okay uh and that he doesn't have the best teammate again that's an understatement okay um but that if he had someone who had more experience he'd be able to measure himself much better and that we'll have to wait until he has a better car and a better teammate so I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Do you think that Schumacher, you know, we can't really judge him yet. Do you think he's got the talent? Do you think he's going to be a future champion? Are we too harsh on him yet? Are people kind of think, expecting too much? I mean, I don't think we're we're too harsh on him at all, but I agree with actually most of what Massa says other than the fact that I know that, shocking, right? It's rare. Yeah, I'm I'm that's why I'm I'm struggling for words here. I I think you know yes he's correct in the fact that Mick Schumacher will always be be held to a different standard because of his last name same thing as Marco Andretti and Graham Rahal and 
all the other guys that have come through in sports, no matter what, if it's motor motorsports or not, Dale Earnhardt Jr., et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, yeah, I honestly don't disagree with anything he, anything he said there. I think he's he's pretty much spot on. I I don't think people are being too harsh on him this year, though. I, I haven't seen any kind of unnecessary criticism, at least that I've seen. No, I, I also, I mean, the guy's a Formula 2 and a Formula, or yeah, Formula 2 and Formula 3 champion. So, I mean, he's shown talent. And I, I do agree with Massa that I don't think he's getting the chance to show what he's got. I think we're going to have to wait until he moves up to a better team, hopefully eventually with Ferrari. Um, but, I mean, it, he's he doesn't look like a slouch by any means. So, while we're yet yeah. to see if, you know, he's up to his dad's level. I mean, his dad didn't really get on that streak of winning until kind of halfway through his career when he had a team built around him, right? I mean, he did right. some great things with Benetton, but it wasn't until he was with a dominant team and great equipment that he was able to put it all together. So I, I definitely agree with Felipe actually here that I think we have to kind of hold our judgment on Mick, um, but he's showing signs of greatness, and I, I think it's going to be fun to watch. I agree. All right, so the next thing going um, along with this Haas story, I just oh, saw no. a story on Planet F1 that apparently Dimitri or Nikita Mazepin's father paid for the new chassis that, that he's driving around. Haas didn't pay for it. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, he's got the money. It's not against the rules to do so, so I don't really have an issue with it. It's, I mean, it goes into the whole... You know, Daddy Mazepin can can do whatever he wants because he's Daddy Mazepin and he's got a gazillion dollars. So as much as I don't like the Mazepin family, I don't have an issue with this. It kind of, and it is what it is. If you can do it, you can do it and good for him. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. Pit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. Yeah, no, I agree. I've seen some takes that were pretty angry about this, yeah, I guess, about that that he um, 
was able to buy the chassis. But of all the things that we've read and heard about the Mazepin family doing, I think this is the least egregious offense, right? If you have the money to spend and you buy a new chassis because you want to hopefully have an advantage or improve your results, I, I don't see the problem with that. I mean, yeah, I don't Listen. think it's going to help, but... It, it there it is it's it's not something that is they're like not building wrong. him a new chassis that's different than the other one they're just building a new chassis that isn't a used chassis so i'm i think we can just let this one go it's not that yeah i don't think haas would continue to be around for much longer probably because it doesn't seem like gene haas is very interested in the team if dimitri mazepin didn't funnel money into it have we heard gene haas say like anything about f1 this year no, and I don't think he's been to a Grand Prix in several years. I don't even know if he went to the USGP this year. I actually don't remember hearing. I don't remember he hearing there. about his name, which is just odd to me. But that's a yeah. whole another discussion. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, and then just a couple more things to talk about before I guess we'll probably have a short episode and wrap it up early today. Uh, is that did you see that the Sauber chairman recently left the team over kind of disagreements with big fred or what do you call him what did matt call him big frank big frank yeah big yeah. frank <laughs> over big frank uh and the way he chooses drivers yeah that was i i don't know why his anger was directed towards big frank there because i listen he's he's picking a driver like guan Zhou because a there is talent but b he also has significant financial backing which Sauber needs, especially because they pulled the rug out from the Andretti deal, you know, 48 hours before it was supposed to be signed there. So, you know, the one thing that Sauber needs is a lot of green. And, you know, before I continue on there, you know, quick shout out to our friends at Evergreen Podcasts, where you can listen to all the podcasts on the network, including ours and a couple other race uh, racing shows, a couple other sports shows and a bunch of other stuff, evergreenpodcast.com. So, yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't have an issue with you know, a little public drama like this. It's kind of fun. gives us something to talk about, especially because I don't think I've ever heard anybody say anything negative about Big Fred before. But I don't think he should be mad at Fred for the way he picks drivers. I think he should be mad that that's the world we live in, that money trumps everything right now or and has for a while. Yeah. That was a really good way to plug Evergreen in there. That was like almost no. That was almost Matt like deft, yeah. uh, like I, insertion I, of that thing. I had a really, I had a really good way to add it in there during the Mazepin story, and then I was like, I don't want to give Mazepin the the fun of having a good segue in there, so he's he gets to lose. Not that they listen, but just in case they have like spy software that's listening. And we, I did not set that up for Mike, just for everyone yeah. listening. I had no idea who was going to do that. It was just his own talent and being able to plug Evergreen there. Yeah, that was fun. Um, okay, so just a couple more items. Uh, the first is that Esteban Ocon, another one of our favorites for some reason. I don't know. I want to hear everyone's kind of takes on Esteban Ocon. We don't really have a reason why we're not his biggest fan because he's a good driver. Just find him kind of annoying. But, uh, I mean, the dude's talented. So, I don't know Remind if there's me, any Esteban a... Ocon fans. I'll make that a poll on Twitter on Friday. Do you like yeah. Esteban Ocon? Yeah, give us give us your reasons if you're an Ocon fan of why you like him, because yeah. I'd be interested to hear. 
And maybe also we should ask people what their favorite Williams moment was. Oh, yeah, good one. Okay. What, is, um, uh, what about Ocon? He says that Oscar Piastri, who, what was it, Cody? What did Cody call him? Oscar Pistorius? Yes, yes. Not the. <laughs> Shout out, Cody. Hopefully you're listening to the <laughs> Cody Bray. Hopefully you're listening to the F1 episode. Oscar. Different people. Yes. Oscar Pistorius is a South African murderer, former. <laughs> and former Olympian. Yeah. So, yes. No, definitely not the same. No. Um, but Oscar Piastri apparently should not be too downhearted about missing out on the Formula One seat for 2022 because basically it's just a matter of time before he gets in the grid. Um, and he says he's more than talented. He won pretty much all the titles up until now. And so waiting's never a fantastic thing, as, as Ocon sort of knows about. Um, but he said he's, he's just trying to focus on getting as much information as he can. And once you're in the seat, then you'll know better. Like you'll be more prepared actually. So what do you think about that sort of is Piastri waiting a little bit longer, probably a benefit for him. I mean, it could be, it, it all, it all depends on how hard he applies himself in the 2022 season, how much he involves himself in team meetings, debriefs, whatever he can get his hands on information wise. He needs to get his hands on information wise, but I'm not saying it's a bad thing. He just, needs to work damn hard to stay involved because it's easy to be easy to be forgotten about when you're not the one in the seat but i'm really not liking the theme of this episode where i'm agreeing with drivers that i don't typically like like <laughs> massa and Ocon. so do you have something for me that i don't have to agree with yes my final news item of note that just yes. came out and i maybe this is something that we already knew about but it maybe it's just been confirmed but john tott actually reveals that he rejected ayrton senna's advances to join ferrari in 1994 that senna was really pushing to join ferrari um but he had to honor both sean alacy and uh gerhard berger's contracts and so he actually offered him a switch to ferrari for 1995 obviously we know what ended up happening right um but what do you think about that? I mean, how interesting would that have been? Think about this alternate universe. The Ferrari in 94 was okay. Yeah. Right? I think they got maybe one win with Berger at the German Grand Prix, I think. I'm going to take uh, your word for that to, one. I'd have to check on that. I know they that Alessi won his only Grand Prix in 95 at Canada for Ferrari. So I don't think they were in the winning ways. But uh, can you imagine... Senna going to Ferrari in 95 and then what would have happened with Schumacher? I don't know. I just love these alternate histories. What, yeah, this is a that's a really interesting what if and that would be a really fun bonus epi- episode to do in the off season, like write our own what if narrative. And if somebody wants to help us out with that, we can start with Senna joining Ferrari and make up our own world. Okay. Yeah, it's like that- the non-creepy version of fan fiction. Yes, that thank you for calling it the non-creepy version because there's been some lots of creepers in lando's world in the in the last oh really yeah so i think he he did talk about how sometimes fans go a little too far with things which is definitely true but anyway back to your your story it's very easy for jean tot to say i was gonna offer him a contract in 1995 now or even after the fact but it would have been very interesting and I don't think I, I knew Senna wanted to join Ferrari. So it's a very fascinating story. I I don't know how much I believe that Tot was going to offer him a contract because woulda, shoulda, coulda. And I mean, listen, it obviously never, unfortunately, never came to fruition. But 
I mean, I listen, I could say I offered, who's an F1 journalist here? I offered Chris Medland a, the co-hosting job before you, and then you took it first, and I said, okay, Chris, you can join next year. But it doesn't really mean anything. Damn, he's way better than me, so you probably should have gone with him. Yeah, well, no. He he doesn't have the the encyclopedia knowledge that, that you do without even having to look anything up. And Chris is very talented, by the way. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I feel a little, a little sad now that I, I wasn't the first <laughs> choice, but it's okay. Yeah, anyway, well, that's more fan fiction right there. But yeah, what do you think? Uh, I, I think that Ferrari and Senna would have been like F1 would have exploded. I mean, it, that would just would can you cool. imagine kind of a more popular pairing? I think it would have taken the popularity of Formula One to a whole new level because Ferrari is probably the most popular team, most well-known Formula One team. And then Senna was known, you know, more than any other driver at the time. So who knows where F1 would have gone in the late 90s had that pairing been allowed to happen or ever ended up happening. But I think it would have been incredible. I agree. But there would have been a lot of pressure on them to have success. And we saw in the late 90s that they didn't have success, you know, until 2000. So I don't know if Senna would have been able to develop that car and get it to a point quicker than Schumacher did. You know, so he may have kind of went to Ferrari and retired without that much success there, which would have been a sad ending. So, you know, I mean, the, the ending of his story is sad as it is. Um, and he finally got into, you know, a competitive Williams. And unfortunately, we know what happened. But um you know i would have loved to see that play out as well kind of that crossing of paths of famous names but anyway we'll, we can maybe talk about some of that kind of stuff in the off season i think that'll be fun yeah it's uh all very interesting all right well that's all i got quick shout out to at some point in the in the next couple of weeks we're gonna have our friends at motormouth podcast on as guest hosts they run an awesome f1 fantasy league you're i love that show yeah those guys are really cool great show we will where i'm i'm talking with them now and and shannon's been helping me kind of get it scheduled so we'll get them on soon but guys enjoy the race this weekend we'll be back next week to break it down and everybody have a lovely weekend of racing I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.